0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. If you could stand to honor the reading of God's Word, we're going to be in Matthew chapter six. I'm going to read all the way through verse 18, and I'm just kind of summarize in the sermon. I'll just we'll summarize. uh, this section of scripture, and we 'll spend we 're going to take our time working through the lord 's prayer so we 'll come back to the lord 's prayer, uh, I think beginning next week or the week after but but uh, but I just thought in in the context of uh, of these verses to to also include in it the The Lord's Prayer. I thought that would be good. So we stand, if you're visiting with us, we stand to honor the reading of God's Word because we believe it is authoritative, that it is the Word of God. And so uh, this is the Word of the Lord, beginning with Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you But deliver us from evil for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses and when you fast do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces and their uh, that their fasting may be seen by others truly I say to you they have received their reward but when you fast anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You may be seated. You know, the world is hungry. And when I say world, I mean people. People are hungry. And... uh Look for all kinds of different things, different ways to fill that hunger, you know through friendships, relationships, job opportunities, money, maybe a new car, maybe a really great, nice new bicycle <laughs> that's my world. Um, they look for all kinds of ways to fill this, this this hunger in them we're all born with this hunger, and uh, you know as you recall as we, as we you know have been in the Beatitudes, Jesus makes it very clear that the only way to have your heart satisfied on that level is is through him. It is a hungering and a thirsting for righteousness. I was listening to a podcast. Um, I guess it's called a podcast. When we watch it on YouTube, it's a YouTube cast. I, I don't know what they call it. But it's a video. Uh, so whatever that is, I was watching that. I was watching a conversation between... Uh, two apparently popular YouTubers and podcasters. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of them. One guy, his name is, he he goes by the name Sneeko, and the other guy goes by the name of Adam22. Now, Adam22 is an outspoken atheist, and I don't know much about either one of the guys, except for what I was able to read online about them. Uh, Sneeko, I think, is... It ascribes to some brand of Christianity, I would imagine, just based on what I heard in the interview. As uh, Adam 22 kind of went on a bit of a rant about his atheism, Snico said, "Well, there's got to be, there's got to be some place for, for God, you know, in a person's life." You know, and and what was interesting was that Adam 22, he or Adam, he, Adam. Uh, Adam pushed back on that. And, and Adam, I think, grew up in a Christian home or some version of a Christian home. He pushed back on that, and, he, and, and what he was pushing back on was this idea that, it, and it sounded like this from Sneeko, that, that you can have some type of belief in God, and it doesn't really have to have a profound impact upon your life. That's what it sounded like. And Adam responded, and he said, you know, if God is real... If he is real, it should be the most important thing in your life. If he were real, I would spend all of my time trying to get closer to figuring out what God wanted you know, for me. And then he just dismissed it and he said, but that's just stupid because God's not real. And I thought about that. And I think he's right. If God is real, then it's worth going, then you ought to go all in if he's real. If he's not real, just find something else. The Apostle Paul said something to that effect in First Corinthians, I believe chapter 15. He said, you know, if there's no resurrection from the dead, if, this, if, if Jesus is just a story and that's it, then eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And of course, every, I, I'm assuming everyone in this room believes that Jesus is legit, that he's real, that he died on a cross for our sins, he rose from the grave, and, and uh, he, he calls us to follow him. And as we've been in this, this Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon I believe that's ever been preached, uh, I don't know about you, but for me, it is a call to the center of what discipleship looks like. Yeah, and, and Jesus seems to affirm in the Sermon on, on the Mount seems to affirm what Adam was saying to Sneco, and that is, if this is true, and if you're going to follow me, then you better be all in. There's no there's no one foot on this you know this side of the fence and a foot on this side of the fence. It's it's either you're in or you're out. And it's hard, you know, as we as we've been looking at this. This is this is not. You know, some simple prayer. This is this is you arrive to the cross as one who's poor in spirit, as one who's who's mourning over your sin, as one who's just done with yourself and willing to submit to the, the the sovereign will of God, and you're all in. Like Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? That he he then says here in chapter 6, if you give, make sure nobody sees you. If you pray, don't don't flaunt your praying. And if you you fast, don't let everybody know how miserable you feel. And it almost sounds like Jesus changed his mind mid-sermon, doesn't it? Like, you are the light. What does light do? It shines. Not only are you a light, but you are a light on what? A hill. What does a light on a hill in a dark place do? It draws attention to itself, right? And, and so what is he saying here? That's, I, mean, I think that's a legitimate question. What is he communicating here? What do we get from this? What do we do with this? And he says in verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. But then he continues. In order to... <laughs> Be seen. In order to be seen. For then you'll have no reward from your father who is in heaven. So there were three pillars in in Judaism, which Jesus highlights here. There was the giving of alms, there was praying, and there was fasting. Those are like three pillars of you know piety. And you know, no surprise, right? The the Pharisees and the scribes, what were they doing? Well they they use those pillars as a way of saying, Look at me. Look how righteous I am. Uh, look, look at me give to the, the, the poor people. Make sure, you know, when, when they walked in the synagogue, they ring a bell or whatever, and then and then look at me pray, hear my words, hear how theologically robust they are. Watch me fast. Look how miserable I look. And why? Can you picture them walking into a room? Just like all gloomy. Hey, what's wrong? Pete? <laughs> oh, you know. Jonathan and I joke about that. We, see, we hear that a lot in church. Oh, you know. Where have you been? I haven't seen you in church. Ah, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, no, I don't know. <laughs> Please tell me. Uh, we thought about making a t-shirt that says, oh, you know. <laughs> um. But yeah, you know, somebody walks into a room and they're fasting. You know, well, what's wrong? Oh, i just, just hungry. I'm a little extra hungry today. Jesus calls that out here. And uh, he calls it for what it is. And I, and I believe he is calling out the Pharisees and the scribes, but not just the Pharisees and the scribes, because on some level, aren't we guilty of doing some of those things? Right? I mean, Jesus said to the Pharisees, later in, in, in Matthew, I don't, how many of you have seen The Chosen? Just curious. I can't wait until they get to the woes in Matthew. I can't wait to see that. But in Matthew 23, Jesus just rebukes the Pharisees. And, and I've highlighted this um, through, through the sermon series. But here's another, another two paragraphs where he just calls out the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plates." But inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. And he continues. He He goes, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." Later on, he said that. Shortly before he would be betrayed, because the Pharisees, you know, the, the the religious leaders, paid Judas to, to, to betray him, and he was arrested and beaten and mocked and flogged and then crucified. So he's calling out hypocrisy here. The Greek word that we get hypocrisy from is, hypokrites. You know, sounds like hypocrisy. And uh, it was orig- originally referred to play actors, as they were acting. Uh, you know, often they would wear a mask. I guess sometimes they'd probably wear makeup, but they would typically wear a mask, and they would they would play the part of a character, whatever character they were playing, and and uh, and people would go and see. It was it was very popular I would go and see them, and there, you know, the, the the desire of these. Play actors is that they would just do such a great job and pretending to be somebody that they were not, that people would see them, and and then they would rise to some level of stardom. Right? We see that today. Right? We we go and see a good movie, and and uh, and we, we, you know, I love good movies, and and so we we do that today. What Jesus is saying here is, don't be a play actor which leads me to just just what he does here in chapter 6 I, I'm like blown away by this this I and I said this before but I have not seen before I started preparing for the sermon series I have not seen just how brilliant this sermon is woven together I I just, just at the risk of sounding redundant I just Go back to the Beatitudes for a second, those first three Beatitudes, right? Uh, the Christian is poor in spirit. The Christian is one who mourns over his or her sin. The Christian is one who is meek, who has surrendered him or herself to the will of a sovereign God. You know, And I know that's messy and it's hard to, to, follow, you know, to follow the will of God sometimes. Sometimes you just don't see what's in front of you. But, but this, is, this is what Jesus calls us to. But think about what he said in the Beatitudes and, and then what he says here in chapter 6. If you're poor in spirit, how did you arrive to the cross? I have nothing to bring to God, right? I have nothing in my hands. I am unrighteous. I am a sinner. I am dead. I need salvation. And the only way that I will get, could receive the forgiveness of my sins and be reconciled to this God who has every right to judge me and to send me to hell is, is now giving me grace. He's giving me grace and and he's lavishing upon me mercy and not only is he doing that, he's lavishing upon me love and now as a result of coming to the cross, who am I? I am a son, I am a daughter of the living God. So when you see somebody who is in need, what should be your response? To be seen? (laughs) And giving something to somebody in need? Or... Or is giving alms or giving to the needy, is that, should that really be the, the outward expression of what you've already experienced and received from, the, from this great God who loves you? Right? And so that's the first thing he lists here. And the first beatitude was, blessed are the poor in spirit. And then, then he talks about prayer. Well, why do we pray? We pray because we know we need God, right? Like when I when I was seeking the approval to marry my uh, Roy Ma, my wife, I've never prayed so hard in my life. Like her her, her family didn't approve. The only way, and the, many of you know the story, but the only way that they, I would have any hope of them approving was if I got on a plane, which I absolutely hated the thought of. Never had been on a plane in my life before that moment. I got, my first plane trip was to Far East Asia. And um, I couldn't keep food in my stomach. And the night before I got on that plane, God dealt with me. It was a wrestling with with God. And And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was as if God said, if you really believe what you say you believe, you will hold this woman that you love with open hands and be okay with whatever the outcome. And I wanted to vomit. (laughs) And I said, okay, Lord, if her family says no, I will not marry this woman. I had to die to myself on the way to the airport. I had a a bag with me because I thought I was going to vomit the whole way there to Philadelphia International Airport. I needed God and I continue to need Him. What I didn't know, (laughs) could not possibly have known, was somewhere in that time frame, God had given a dream to my wife's aunt, and that dream was a picture of a vision of me, and that uh, He wanted me to marry this woman, and she became my advocate. (laughs) And, and so, and I still never pray. I didn't know that until, like, later on in the trip. And I saw God move. I, I prayed, and I, like I never prayed before, but, but God was doing something I could possibly never have done. I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have argued my way into their family. God did it. And I've seen that over and over again. And, and so the Christian prays not to be seen by other people, The Christian prays to an audience of one. Now, Jesus isn't saying, look, you can't pray in public. That's not what he's saying here. Because clearly, all throughout the Bible, I have a bunch of verses in my manuscript where we see Christians praying in public. It's calling attention to yourself. It's saying, hey, look at me. Not, God, do you see me? I'm coming before you. There's a big difference there. You can do that when people are surrounding you, just seeking the face of God, um, and you can do that in your prayer closet. But who, who seeks out in their right mind a sovereign God who spoke the galaxies into existence and expects him to answer? Those who mourn over their sin. Those who mourn because they know there's nothing. There's nothing in me. I, I need this God. And then the, the third beatitude, is blessed are the meek. Well, who, who are the meek? The meek is the person who surrenders him or herself to the will of God. And they hold it all, with, they hold it with an open hand. And that is so hard, is it not? Especially when you don't see what's in front of you. It is so hard to do that. And and you know and you just trust the Lord and and that sounds cliche but man there are some things in life where where you just the rubber meets the road it's you know your flesh begin, or your your theology begins to take on flesh like it just becomes real and um, and so the meek is the one who's like I'm I'm done but with myself. So what's that have to do with fasting? What do you do when you fast? I mean, there are all things I, th- I believe you can fast from, but the primary thing that people would fast from, the Hebrew people would fast from, is food. Like Jesus, when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted from both food and drink, um, which, I don't know how you do that. Uh, the founder of Campus Crusade Ministry fasted for 40 days before he started Campus Crusade Ministry. Um, now it's called crew I believe but, but, the, but when you fast you are reminding yourself of this, this is what you're reminding yourself of you're reminding yourself especially when it comes to food I am refraining to take something that's outside of myself and to put it inside myself for the purpose of sustaining my life to remind me that I need something outside of myself in order to live spiritually I need God, and so when you fast, you you're doing that. And I and I um, I don't fast often. I haven't fasted in a while, but uh, in seminary we I fasted. Uh, it was actually it was a it was a uh, challenge from our professor. I want you to fast for twenty four hours, and I want you to stay up all night praying. And I did that. And uh, man, the Lord just met me in those hours. And there have been seasons where I fasted because I just felt like I felt helpless. There's nothing that I can do. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've just was just undone. In, when it when it came to my my oldest son and his disease, and and with my wife who who struggled with debilitating pain for most of our marriage, undone. Where do you go? Well, you go to this God, and. And you re- realize, as you go to him, I, I, he is sovereign, I'm not. I, I mean, do you see it there? I, I just, when I was looking at chapter 6, I was like, wow, this is, so, this is so amazing. That Jesus literally is highlighting the first three Beatitudes with these three pillars of the Hebrew, of the Hebrew faith. And, um, and so what does, that, what does that mean? Well, the poor in spirit give. They give. They give because they know there's nothing in, them, in themselves. Uh, they've received nothing but the mercy and grace of God. And so they, the response is they, they give. Um, you know, the only reason why you, you want to give to draw attention to yourself is why? Pride. Look at me. Look how great I am. Look how much I give, you know, to the church or what I give to those in need. When um, really our our concern should be before an audience of one that God sees. He sees everything that happens in secret. What we say in secret, what we do in secret, what we think in secret, he sees it all. And the Christian is one who's mindful of that, that we are always 24-7, always in the presence of the God who spoke the galaxies into existence. And when he sees you, brothers and sisters, he sees the righteousness of his son. He sees a child that has been redeemed. The one who's poor in spirit, or the, the, you know, the, the, and, and the one who's poor in spirit who gives is mindful of who who they once were, like Colossians chapter 1 says, says this. Let's go to that verse. Let's read this together, ready? And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's who we were. And what did he do? He reconciled us. And, and what is he doing now? He's presenting us holy and blameless before him. That, that's, that's us. I, I love that C. H., the Spurgeon quote. You know, I, I don't know the context of it, but I, I've shared it with you before. Uh, but he gave us really wise advice when somebody makes you angry because of something that they said or did. He said, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. And that's true, is it not? That puts things in perspective. (laughs) And then those who mourn seek God. You know, the the hypocrite prays in a way to impress others. But the one who has been redeemed by this God, you just lay your heart out before him. And you can do that. That's why I say, like, when we pray, whatever your posture of prayer is, you are before an audience of one. I rarely am on my knees praying just because you know, my knees hurt. <laughs> I'm usually, my posture of prayer is I'm upright, I'm standing. My eyes are open. I'm a pacer. I walk back and forth. Every time I'm on the phone, I'm up. <laughs> and uh, when I'm speaking with the Lord, I'm up and I'm walking. That's my posture of prayer. Sometimes my posture of prayer is on my face. You know, and so. Um, Whatever your posture of prayer is, you're before an audience of one; he sees you. So you know those who mourn seek God because you know you need God. I'm reminded of Habakkuk, the prophet, who said in Habakkuk chapter three, wrote in Habakkuk chapter three, verses one and two. He said this: um, Let's read this together. Ready? Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Well, why was he praying to God? Because he heard of his fame. Like, he, he knew of this God who spoke the galaxies into existence. He knew of this God who who formed man from the dust of the earth and, and woman from, the, from Adam's rib. He knew of this God who, who flooded the earth out of judgment and promised that he would never flood the earth again. He, he, he heard these stories. He knew these stories. He sang the Psalms that David wrote and, and some others who, that wrote those Psalms. They were the songbook for the Hebrew people. That, the God, that God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. He, he, he was mindful of all that. And so what did he do? He went to that God and he prayed. You know, I, I stand in all of your deeds. So now, God, I have no control over my life, so repeat them in our day. I can't manipulate the hearts of people. I can't manipulate the, the, my, my community into believing in you. So repeat them in our day. If you spoke the galaxies into existence, if you raised the dead from the grave, if you called every star by name, then whatever's going on in my life is not a mystery for you. You're, like, you're, you're, you're not on vacation. You've got this. And you're working out your will for your glory and for my good. That's those who mourn. That's why they go to the the Lord in prayer. And you can go to him that way. And sometimes he will not answer your prayers the way you want them to be answered. Like you, You may pray for healing and he may heal you as you have to watch your son sob in the middle of the night. You can hear him in his room because he's so angry over his disease. But he healed me. And just to trust him. To trust him. God, you're good. And you don't need to improve upon yourself. And I am always before an audience of one. And it doesn't matter what others think of me. What matters is what you think of me. And I am your son and you mean good for me, and you mean good for my family, even though I can't wrap my mind around what you're doing. That was last night. After after I finished writing this manuscript, those who mourn over their sin are led into the presence of a God who loves them. And then Jesus gives us a model for praying. It's Like, okay, so you want to know how to pray? And I'll unpack this in the weeks to come. But our Father, what does that mean? He starts off with our Father. What does that mean? That means he loves you. That means he's benevolent. That means he loves you more than any member of your family could ever possibly love you. That's what that means. When I read that, that means that my God loves my children more than I could ever possibly love them. That's what that means. That means that my God loves my wife more than I could ever possibly love her. And he's in heaven because he's alive. He's present. He's present. And hallowed be your name. He is holy. He is holy. And every time the angels sing to, in, the, in his presence, the foundations of the thresholds in heaven shake. Your kingdom come. Because he's not just going to leave things the way they are. Your will be done. He loves you too much to leave you as you are on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He knows where your next meal's coming from. He knows what your future is going to look like. And forgive us our debts, because we know that he will, as we have forgiven our debtors, which is a little hard sometimes. And lead us not into temptation, because my heart is fickle, it is an idol factory. It wants to make things in my life gods that don't that, should, that, that don't belong there, because there's only one God. And deliver us from evil. I can't wait to unpack this. This is gonna be. I'm so excited about just spending time in the Lord's prayer. But we got to move on. The meek hunger for God. The meek hunger for God. They hunger for God because He is life. Like, he's life. Like, everything about him is life. Our, our joy, our satisfaction, our, 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 everything is, is found in him. It's rooted in him. That's, that's why after those three beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the, the meek, Jesus goes right into verse 6 and he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because why? They will be satisfied. And how will they be satisfied? in and through Jesus. Not through your neighbors, not through your spouse, not through your children, not through your job, not through, not through your bank account, but in Jesus. He is everything. He is the center. And, and, and following him calls us to the center. And this is what the center looks like as we dive into the Sermon on the Mount. You know, we give because we have received we seek God in prayer because He can meet our needs, and um, we fast because we hunger for the one who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. In every act, in every decision, every act of piety, every motive that shapes our decisions is always and constantly before an audience of one. And brothers and sisters. <laughs> He, he, he sees you. Like some of you need to hear that over and over again. He sees you. He sees what you're going through. He knows what you're going through. He sees you. He sees you. We do not live, live to please men. We live to please him. And there's a day coming where we will hear out of the mouth of our Savior one of two statements. We will either hear, to the next slide, come, you are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Or if you're a hypocrite and you're just playing the religious game, you will hear, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I say that because of what he says at the, at the end of, of his sermon in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Oh, what does it look like to do the will of the Father? To seek him to find life in and through him. So I, I was thinking about this, and now I'm, I'm closing with this. I just, so, so what do you do with that? What do, what do you do with like chapter 6, those 18 verses? What, what, so what now? What does this look like on Monday? What does it look like Friday? Here would be my challenge to you. I believe that God has wired into our DNA the need to give. I believe that he's wired in our DNA the need to worship him and to be known by him. I, my challenge to you is pray for an opportunity to give to somebody who is in need without drawing attention to yourself. And just pay attention to your heart. In the process of doing that, I would say pray that God would open your, you, put somebody on your mind, or somebody in your heart to give to somebody. Out of just, just out of love and generosity. And just see how God meets you in the midst of of, of that act. And if you don't pray regularly, my challenge to you is pray. I had a class on um, the, f- it was all on, about the families in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. And it was eye-opening to me. And one of the takeaways I got from that seminary class was, I am, when, as long, so long as I'm present in the house, we are praying as a family. Every night. I don't care what we're doing, we're, we're going to pray. And we've done that since, I don't know, maybe 18 years now we've been doing that. I'd encourage you to do that. You know what's amazing? When you're angry with each other and you and you come together and pray, what that does for your relationship. So I would encourage you to pray. Pray together. If you know newly newlyweds, uh, families have been you've been married for years and years and years. Uh, start if you don't do it now, start pray. Pray. You don't have to do some dissertation. You don't have to preach a sermon or whatever. Just pray together. And um, and let it be organic. And then fast. If you've never fasted before, maybe that scares scares you. I'd encourage you to fast, especially if you're dealing with something difficult in your life. Fast. It doesn't have to be all day. Maybe in the morning, just skip breakfast. Or maybe half the day, skip breakfast and lunch. Eat a meal towards the end of the day. Or maybe you could shoot for 24 hours. But fast. Intentionally fast. For the purpose of seeking the Lord. And, and I think the best way to do that is you have your Bible with you. And uh, pick, I, pick a book in the Bible as you're, as you're fasting. And pray through that. What, the Psalms are, are great for praying through, by the way, to pray through the Psalms. Pick a Psalm. Just talking to somebody early, you know, this morning about reading Psalm 139. That's a great Psalm to read through and to pray over. But fast. If you're medically, if you're if you're capable physically and medically to fast, I challenge you to fast, and um, and do what Jesus tells you to do. Wash your face. You don't need to look all angry, you know, because you're hungry. <laughs> What's wrong, Joe? I'm angry. Why are you angry? Because I didn't eat. Why didn't you eat? Well, because I'm fasting. Like, Don't do that. Um, but I encourage you to do those things. Those are the three takeaways I, w- I would say to do as, as you seek to just follow Jesus. And I promise you, I, I really do, I, I, I mean this with all my heart, I believe that, that God will meet you in the midst of those things if you just, if you just m- make a commitment to, to try. Let's pray, Father. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, and I, God, I just, just for my own heart, I just want to be—I I, I just want to be one who follows you in an unflinching way. And I echo that same prayer for everyone in this room. I'm—I'm I'm confident that most of us in this room—that's what we want, Lord. And so meet us. Meet us in our doubt, meet us in our, in our pain, meet us, meet us where we're at, and just just help us to see you and experience you in a, in a tangible way. And for those in this room who do not yet know you because they do not know Jesus, God, I just pray that they would hear these words, that salvation is found in no one else but the name of Jesus, the Christ. That if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe, oh God, that you raised him from the grave, Your word promises that they will be saved, that they will be redeemed. Not just head knowledge, but in their heart, that they feel that, their need for Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.